Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Southern horror writer Ronald Kelly. After years of writing, Kelly sold his first novel to Zebra Books in 1989. He was a popular paperback horror novelist for several years until the paperback horror boom ended abruptly in the mid-1990s. Ron's latest book is Southern Fried and Horrified, a memoir about his writing life as well as a writing guide. Ron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I mentioned that you had your first novel published in 1989, but... um, I'm sure that was the culmination of years of writing and trying to break into book publishing. Can you tell us about your initial writing journey and what got you into writing fiction? Well, um, I began writing in the junior year of high school. Um, I took, um, I originally wanted to be a comic book artist. And um, so I did comic books um, all during high school and, and, uh, um, First, uh, at the beginning, I collaborated with a with a fellow classmate named uh, Lowell Cunningham, and uh, we collaborated. Collaborated, and he um, he wrote the scripts, and I did the artwork, and then I gravitated toward just uh, uh, writing fiction. I took uh, journalism and creative cl- uh, writing classes, and after high school, I just. Uh, 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 wrote short stories and submitted and and uh, worked on a few novels and and just uh, honed my craft and uh, tried to find my vo- my writing voice and and it took twelve years between the time I began writing and um, my first published short story. And I'm curious, at the time, were you writing horror exclusively, or or what caused you to transition into writing horror? Now, originally, I wanted to be a Western writer because uh, I was heavily into Civil War and Old West history, and uh, uh, a lot of that had to do with my grandmother, who she would tell me family stories of uh, uh, Civil War history. Uh, um, I had uh, I had family in both sides of the, uh, the Civil War, uh, and so uh, that that kind of piqued my interest in in like. Uh, uh, Civil War and Western history, and I tried that for tried to get into the Western genre for a while, and, and it, it was so narrow it was hard to break into. So eventually, in nineteen around nineteen eighty six, eighty five, eighty six, I thought, well, I, maybe I should go back to my first love, and so I went. I started writing horror stories, and it kind of clicked. That's great. Well, I'm curious, what do you feel like you were learning during those 12 years of writing as you were, as you described it, as you were trying to find your writing voice? I guess I was just like, uh, well, for one thing, developing a thick skin because, um, you know, when I started out, I was very, you know, you start out writing when you're young and you think, you know, well, it's only going to be a few months and then you're going to start publishing and you're going (laughs) to. get rich and have bestsellers and it doesn't work out that way, you know? And so, um, I developed, developed a lot of patience, uh, a thick skin. Um, you know, just, I, I pretty much learned, uh, the writing trade by trial and error. You know, I just, um, 
I just uh, read a lot. I studied what uh, what the writers were doing, you know, how they laid out chapters and character development and all that, and, and just kind of, you know, uh, made my stories my own, you know, put a Southern twist on it. Sure. Well, well, growing up in rural Tennessee, um, how did you learn about, you know, how to submit your fiction initially? And, and I should point out for those listening, this was years before the internet where you can submit now with the push of a button. How did you kind of learn the process of like, you know, what, what many people used to do of, uh, of mailing it out and self-addressed stamped envelope? How did you figure all that out? Well, um, Mainly, I, I subscribed to Writer's Digest magazine. That was one thing. And there was this big hardcover book you could buy in the bookstores called The Writer, Writer's Guide um, that had, like, uh, addresses and contact uh, information for uh, agents and, um, you know, mainstream publishers and, and magazines and stuff like that. That that helped a lot. and. Later on, when I, I started submitting to the um, small press, you know, horror magazines, there was um, like little magazines like uh, Scavenger's Newsletter and and um, the horror writers um, uh, newsletter that that had the uh, you know open markets, you know what you know magazines and what you know what they were paying and and how to submit and all that. So, you know, you just had to, you know, for a rural boy from Tennessee, you, you pretty much had to, you know, scrounge and, and hunt down what the information you needed to make it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, as I mentioned earlier, your first horror novel um, was accepted by Zebra Books in 1989. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit about your career with Zebra? Um and and how many books you published with them and what your experience was? Okay. Um, I had an agent uh, toward the mid-'80s. I had an agent uh, at Scott Meredith uh, Literary Agency, and uh, I, some, I, I wrote uh, Hindsight, which uh, it's a – it was it, – it's kind of a horror suspense novel um, – uh, loosely based on my mother as a child and her psychic experiences, she actually had the second uh, the gift of second sight. So um, I combined that with a, a triple murder um, that happened in the area where I grew up and, and said it in uh, 1930s, and I wrote the novel Hindsight and submitted it to my agent and um, he had it for two and a half years shopping it around until he finally sold it to Zebra. And, and so um, uh, about six months after I sold Hindsight, uh, uh, Zebra accepted Pitfall, my second novel. And then they uh, offered me, began offering me uh, multi-book uh, deals. And so so I wrote for for Zebra for uh, six years straight. That was I was a full time writer at that time. And can you tell us what happened to your writing career in 1996? Well, uh, Harm was going through a a, a bad period then. Horror uh, um, had gotten so hot, at, you know, in you know the late 80s at early 90s that the uh, mass market publishers were 
kind of overextending themselves. They were they were buying up properties that in uh, books and that wasn't very well written, uh, taking on authors who really hadn't cut their teeth and uh, was you know writing substandard substandard uh, horror fiction and. Um, the readers were buying these books and getting burnt and and sales were falling off, you know, uh, and um, and so the publishers were like uh, letting their authors go and, and and shutting down their publishing line. And that's what happened to Zebra. They uh, in 1996, it was October 1996. I remember it. Um, I got a call from my agent and he told me that Zebra had shut down their horror line and that uh, I had two two more books uh, scheduled with them, and and she, he said they would be returning those books to me, and I would be you know keeping any advance money I got, but I I would no longer be writing mass market paperbacks for Zebra. And so at that point, did you did you think about trying to move back into to westerns, or what what did you do? I um, did I my my agent the the one word of uh, advice he gave me was to write anything but horror because horror was almost, you know, poison back then that editors wasn't reading it at that time. And, and it just, uh, so I, I did, I, I attempted to write Westerns for a while and even children's books, try to do something different and nothing was working for me. So I, I kind of, you know, got bitter and, and, you know, just kind of accepted the fact that I'd had my shot and and it was gone. So um, I decided to just hang it up. I decided to stop writing for, uh, stop writing horror or reading horror. So um, I stopped writing for 10 years. And so can you tell us what caused you to come back to writing after 10 years? I had a friend uh, named Mark Hickerson, and he was a, a fan of my work back in the mid nineties, and and a good friend. And he kept encouraging me to come back. You know, he'd say, "Well, there's this new guy named Brian Keane, and he's written this zombie novel and revitalized the horror, you know, genre." And I said, "Well, no, I'm not interested in doing that anymore." And, and so um, uh, he brought me some signed books some signed by Brian and some from James Newman and other writers. And, and I remember Brian had written thanks for the inspiration um, uh, when he signed my copy of the rising. And, and it made me think that maybe, you know, maybe I'd done something positive, you know, when I was writing for Zebra. You know? and, and so I read uh, James Newman's uh, uh, Midnight Rain and, and just, Loved it and, and thought, hey, maybe I can, you know, get back in here and do it again. And so um, in July of 19, I mean, well, July of 2006, I went online and, and announced that I was coming back to writing. And I've been writing ever since. And so your your latest book, as I mentioned, is Southern Fried and Horrified, a memoir about your writing career as well as a writing guide. What led you to write Southern Fried and Horrified? Well, you know, I've been toying with the idea for a while. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been, I've been writing horror for 37 years. I've been, I would have been writing it 47 years if I hadn't stopped for 10 years, but, 
Um, I just thought, you know, I've been through heaven and hell and, and, and made a lot of mistakes, you know, did some good things and bad things and the, um, you know, as far as publishing and all that, then maybe, you know, people would be interested in my story and maybe, you know, I could help some people avoid some mistakes, you know, some new writers and all that. And so I went on uh, Twitter and I asked anybody, you know, I, I posed a question, you know, would anybody be interested in, in it? And, you know, people, you know, were very positive about it. And so I wrote a few chapters you know, just to get the feel of it, and it came naturally. It was like almost like I was sitting down telling the uh, a story. You know, so um, I sent it to uh, I knew that um, Stygian Scott, that uh, Def Seb Press was going to have a um, a subsidiary publishing house called the. Uh, uh, Stygian Sky and that they would be doing nonfiction books. So I sent the, a few chapters to Stygian Sky and and they loved it and wanted to do the book. So so uh, that's and then I I went back and I, I wrote the rest of the chapters and added some writing advice and a few essays that I'd written in the past and and that's how Southern Fried and Horrified came about. That's great. Well, I know that. Um you know, you, as we've discussed, you, you, you've written novels that you consider Southern horror. Um, what does Southern horror mean to you and and what do you enjoy writing and what about it do you enjoy writing? Uh, it's just, uh, I guess it's just drawn from, uh, like the stories that my grandmother used to tell me. It's like, um, Using locales, uh, locations, and uh, and the people I grew up with, you know, just kind of uh, um, taking those those experiences and everything, and and putting my own uh, horror twist to it, and uh, so uh, it's it's just a a kind of style of writing that I enjoy, and it comes naturally to me, and um, it's 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 like you know, Southern comfort food. It's like uh, gravy and biscuits and pecan pie and all that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just something I like to, to write. And it's, uh, apparently other people like really enjoy reading it. So, so that's, uh, I guess that's what, you know, how I describe Southern horror. Sure. Well, can you tell us about your writing two books for the Jake Logan series? And for those listeners who aren't familiar with the Jake Logan novels. It's a paperback adult Western series, and each book um, includes gunfights as well as a couple of sex scenes per book. And I'm curious, what led you to writing those two Jake Logan novels? Uh, my agent at the time contacted me, and he said, uh, there's a spot open at J uh, with the Jake Logan series. Actually, Jake Logan was written by, was ghostwritten by uh, five different writers. And so there was a spot open. I don't know if someone had um, decided to move onward or somebody had died that had been writing it. But he asked me if I wanted to fill the spot. And at first I kind of hesitated. You know, I I was into writing the horror novels and all that. This this was like in 1992, 93. So I was into writing the horror novels. And I, I thought, well, do I really want to get into ghostwriting, you know, 
And so I actually I called up Joe Lan Joe R. Lansdale and and asked him because you know Joe and I had talked for years and he was kind of a mentor to me and um, so I asked him you know should I you know ghostwrite this series and he said you know he said I've ghostwritten before so you know uh, if you want to go for it so I I told my agent I would and I wrote two books for the, the Jake Logan series. And, um, it was, it was a, it was a very easy job and it was a very lucrative job because, uh, you'd uh, write like a little 120 page, 150 page book in like two or three weeks and get paid a flat $5,000. So that wasn't bad money back then. That, that's <laughs> not bad money now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I wrote two books for the series and then Jake Logan shut down for a while. It's, it seemed <laughs> like that was a thing back then, you know? And, uh, when they finally brought it back a few months later, they'd already filled my spots. So, so that, that, that was all it was for me and Jake Logan. <laughs> gotcha. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Well, I, I know that um, you've written ser several novels in um, a series that you created called the uh, called Dead Eye. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about those novels and what the genesis of, of that series was? Dead Eye was came. That's a Dead was a long time. Dead Eye was a long time coming. Uh, I made up the character of Dead Eye when I was sixteen years old. I was reading like Louis Lumiere books, and uh, there was a a um, series called Edge by um, uh, a writer named um, George Gilmore, I think it was in his name, but uh, a very violent uh, kind of Western book series. And so I made up this character, never did anything with him, kind of uh, stuck him, you know, back in the back of my mind. And then uh, um, when I was Right, and trying to get into West, uh, the Western genre, I did a, a huge, massive, epic novel with Dead Eye that was like 800 pages, and uh, took me two years to write. Sent it to my agent, and he said, "I can't, I can't sell this." You know, <laughs> so it was. I was a very ambitious writer back then. I mean, I was only you know, like in my twenties, early twenties or something like yeah. that. So. Um, so I put Dead Eye, you know, I, I, my mother's got a cedar chest, you know, she she left me when she passed, and and I put um, I put Dead Eye in the cedar chest. It's a it's almost <laughs> like a coffin size cedar chest. So I put uh, I put Dead Eye in the coffin, and and um, then later on, uh, when I was writing for Zebra, um, I pitched it as a like a supernatural western series to uh, Berkeley books and Ber they were interested at first and, but then they decided that I really couldn't sustain, you know, like a monster, a book for a long period of time. They were, they were uh, accustomed to putting out like two or 300 books in a series, you know, 
paperback series. So, yeah, I, I agree that I couldn't have sustained it for a whole lot. I mean, I'd had him fighting aliens and Bigfoot and stuff like that. But um, so um, I put him back in the cedar chest again. And um, then, uh, I, you know, I had mentioned it when I was writing books for um, Paul Goblich with the Thunderstorm books, I mentioned Dead Eye to him, and he was kind of interested. And, and then we went on to do the um, essential Ronald Kelly collection, where we um, did all the zebra books, uh, zebra novels, and hardcover. And then just recently, you know, we decided to do Dead Eye, you know, in, in five volumes, you know. And so um, Thunderstorm is putting out the limited edition hardcover, and um, at the time, uh, Silver Shamrock was putting out uh, Dead Eye. They put out the first Dead Eye book, you know, in, in ebook and uh, uh, paperback. And mm-hmm. then uh, Silver Shamrock closed their doors, and uh, Crossroads Press um, took on Dead Eye. So, uh, so far, we put out two uh, Dead Eye books. Uh, book one is. Uh, Vampires, Zombies, and Mojo Men, and number two is Werewolves, Swamp, swamp Critters, and Hellacious Haints. <laughs> so um, number two was fun, really fun to write because it was like a monster fest. I mean, it had all kinds of monsters and and demons and stuff, you know. There, there's a, there's a, um, in the, in the series, there is a, uh, uh, like a, dimensional portal called uh, the hole out of nowhere and uh, there's a there's a character called called evangeline she's a, a dark witch and she she conjures like demons and old gods and and uh, demonic bounty hunters to come out of that uh, portal to battle dead eye his um his sidekick job and so, do you have plans to? You said it was going to be five volumes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. It won't be long till I start on volume three, which is going to be called uh, Man Eaters, Mummies, and Murderous Maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that you recently retired from your day job. Are you planning to go full tilt back into writing fiction? Yeah, I am. Probably after Christmas. Christmas has been so hectic, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, pl- plus, I've had things to do around the house here. But uh, yeah, after Christmas, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it full force, and probably gonna write the sequel to Fear, my my magnum opus, and uh, and so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we're we're put actually putting Fear out in a author's prefer- preferred edition, um, and that'll be that should be coming out later this month or. Uh, in early January and uh, by Crossroad Press. That's great. Well, I'm curious, what's your writing process when you're working on a novel or a short story? Do you outline the novel extensively or you, do you just dive into the narrative and see where it takes you? With a novel, I, I have, I do kind of do a loose outline so I know where it's going from beginning to end. Um, because, you know, when I was writing for Zebra, I was writing the big door stoppers, and, uh, which was a stipulation in their contracts that you write something 450 to 500 pages. And so you pretty much had to know 
what you you know what you were going to do from beginning to end and so i still do that a little i hadn't written very many novels since i think the last one was the, the buzzard resort in 2015 and it was it wasn't a doorstopper it was like 250 pages or something like that but um so with novels yeah i'd outline a little bit and give it a lot of uh, a lot of thought but uh, with short stories i I pretty much just uh, get a germ of an idea and then I sit down and, and let it take me where it goes, you know? Yep. So I'm curious, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? I'd say uh, try to have a lot of patience. Try to, you know, stick in there for the, the long haul because it's not going to be you know, sometimes it's instantaneous. Some people, you know, really, you know, hit fast and hard. And but uh, for the most part, it's you know, you could be looking at years of, of uh, you know, honing your craft and finding your voice and and submitting, and you'll I, you'll, you'll probably get tons of rejection slips and you know, but uh, you know, don't let that you know, get you down, just keep on going, you know, and, uh, but don't, you know, don't be hard on yourself. Don't beat yourself up when you don't make a sale, you know, um, stuff like that, you know, and, uh, one thing is don't, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't submit exclusively to one publisher. It's better to, you know, with the, the wealth of pub, uh, indie publishers now, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, you can, I, I've actually got like six publishers now. So, you know, I, I spread my work evenly where if a publisher goes down, uh, then, you know, I've got several more to take up the slack. You know? Sure. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Well, I've read, um, See, uh, Candace Nolan's uh, Bishop was really great. That was a great novel. Um, I've read um, Richard Chismar's uh, Chasing the Boogeyman. That was great. And uh, the last uh, Gwynny novel he did with uh, Stephen King, that was great. Um, uh, I've got a, you know, I've, I pretty much write more now than I read. <laughs> so, uh, I'm hoping I can really get back into the reading since I'm retired now, got more time. And, um, but, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a whole bookshelf full of books in here that, that, you know, I'm ready to read. So that's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? Well, you can find me at my website, uh, RonaldKelly.com. I have a newsletter called uh, the Fair County Chronicle, and you can subscribe to that. That's through Substack. You can usually go on my website or go on uh, some of my social media platforms and find uh, a subscribe tab to that if you want to subscribe to that. I I put that out every, uh, uh, every other week, you know, with news about you know, upcoming books and stuff like that. And sometimes I have a free story or an essay or something on the newsletter. Uh, you can find me at uh, Facebook at Ronald Kelly. You can find me at Twitter at uh, Ronald Kelly 4. 
You can find me at Instagram um, as Dar- uh, Dixie Darkin. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Ronald Kelly, horror writer and author of the new memoir and writing guide, Southern Fried and Horrified. The book is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Ron, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. Howdy. I'm Ronald Kelly. Today, I'm going to read an excerpt from my memoir writing guide, Southern Fried and Horrified, from Stygian Sky Media. Writers are all about stories. Reading them, creating them, writing them, selling and publishing them. And then there's living them. Usually that's the one that folks never know or hear about. If it's written down at all, it's usually in journals or diaries. Private thoughts and secret angst that they've wrestled with and endured behind the keyboard or elsewhere. Most of the time, it's things that's best forgotten or not to be dwelled on at all. Lost opportunities, anthology deadlines missed, rejections, pages upon pages of them. Or maybe it has nothing to do with writing at all. Maybe the story involves their life in general. Mundanely dull or stressed to the point of overload and devastation a difficult, abusive upbringing, or happy, idyllic childhood. Where they lived or when, the kinds of movies they watched and books they read. Whether they were bullied as as a child, or perhaps were the bullies themselves. That kind of thing is what forges a writer and gives them the drive to do it day after day. To take little bits and pieces of things in their head like useless scrap from a junkyard and build entire worlds to deem themselves the god of prose and conjure living, breathing characters that you love or hate, loathe or feel pity for. Some writers have a knack for pushing all the buttons in all the right ways making you so angry you could strangle someone who is only made of words on a page or causing you to weep bitterly for a person who is merely a figment of the author's imagination, brought to life in broad strokes of creativity and raw emotion. Sometimes a writer feels the need to shelf their fictional worlds for a short while and reflect on the real one, the one they grew up in, smiled and agonized through, loved and grieved in. Some believe their journey thus far to be utterly uninteresting and lackluster, sort of like searching for the reflection in the murky surface of a mud puddle. Others, fueled by ego and arrogance, believe that their story will be put put all others to shame, when in fact all they're doing is bragging, and lifting annoyance and resentment to fresh new levels. Every now and then, if an author is famous enough, popular enough, or respected enough, they feel compelled to share their story, and others desire to hear it in return. I may not be any of the categories mentioned above, 
but I do have a story to tell. One that started over 60 years ago and includes a writing career that has spanned 37 years to date. Most folks who know old Ron, both recently or since the dinosaur days, know me as a straight-shooting, honest type of fellow. Willing to tell you how it is now or back then without pandering, pulling punches, or kissing ass. If I tell you a story, it's going to be one forged from the heart and soul, sincere and straight to the point. Sometimes I can make you smile like a briar-chewing mule, while other times I can make you break down and cry, ugly sobbing with snot slinging and all. That's just the way I am. Always have been, always will. When I took to social media and made my desire known to pen a memoir of sorts, sprinkled liberally with writing advice and anecdotes, the response was positive, positively unanimous. When Brian King, one of the finest horror authors of the, his generation, and well into the next, tweets, please, 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 in response, when you then you know if Brian wants it, well, hell, you just got to go and do it. The Ronald Keller you will read about during the course of this book may or may not be the one you are familiar with. There have been many evolutions and incarnations over the years. The introverted but imaginative child, the awkward, painfully shy nerd, the angry young man with lofty aspirations that constantly eluded him, then later the small press author who scored a cherished place in mass market publishing and lost it almost as quickly. The bitter disillusion has been who walked away for a decade and the one who rediscovered his first love took a deep breath and gathered the nerve to give it all one more try. So sit on down there and let me tell your story, one that I know by heart. And on the way, we'll talk about books and movies and influences and the business of laying our souls bare on the printed page. I promise to keep it as truthful and as engaging as I can manage, whether it tickles like a feather or cuts deeply like the edge of a razor. As Jerry and the Dead used to sing, what a long, strange trip it's been, and it has been so far. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.